morning, everybody. It's really, um, ooh, morning. Um, really good to be together. We seem to have a lot of open spaces up front here now that the little ones have gone out. Um, if you want to move forward, that would be great. Sorry, let's get my iPad going. Really, it's good to be back and um, lovely to get going for the year. I, I must admit that um, it does feel like the year's been going quite well already. You know, there's lots happening and um, quite a number of us are heading up to Wrexham this week where we're starting to see the signs of revival, I think, because um, 133 leaders are booked in to travel all the way to Wrexham um, for two <laughs> nights, which is... Wow, that's quite something. And um, we felt right from the start of building our churches together in the UK. We wanted to move them around the nation to start to open our hearts, not for the ownership of our local church, but for the wider work. So very exciting. It was also a, a tremendous joy to be back at Trinity last week after a few weeks break. Um, I just loved the, the buzz, the prayer time, the meeting, the worship. It was lovely to see. And I know if you're here week after week, you might not feel and see the changes as they happen. But being away, I could see them. So be encouraged. Okay, it really is lovely. And listening to Daniel, I went away with such a, a buzz in my heart. And um, I celebrated Trinity right through the week, just really thanking God for the opportunity. As I listened to Daniel, and he cast that big, great vision uh, before us, a vision of the gospel for this city, everyone involved, all the things we'll be involved in during the year. Um, I, I felt tremendously stirred and, and, as I've already said, enormously privileged to be part of what God's doing. And that's an important place to be. And often when I'm in that place, and I've been involved in many churches now over the years in different nations, you know that Heather and I have moved around. One of the things that I have always done as a leader when God presents an opportunity before me is I often go and sit before him and say, would you give me a, a Bible template for what you've got me involved in at the moment? Would you show me in the scripture? Because Jesus often, when he was explaining to the disciples, would go back to the Old Testament and quote a passage of scripture which gave them a foundation for what was happening in their days. And um, so on Sunday evening last week, and then particularly early, early on Monday morning, I felt God speak to me from Acts chapter 11. And I want to take you through it this morning and just open up what God has shown me. Um, you might be um, a little shocked to hear that I want to give you 12 different things, but they're short and sweet, and I'm going to go through them. If you've got somewhere recording them, I would really appreciate it that you take them down, because the, the words mustn't be something that we, we just hear, because otherwise it doesn't bless us. It must must change us and shake us and so I hope with the help of the Holy Spirit you'll put yourself in a place to allow the word to take root and to shape the way that you think about what we are doing. I believe that through these scriptures I'm going to read to you now that um, I'll point to the past, I'll point to the f present and to the future of what I believe God's got us caught up in. So let's read Acts chapter 11 verse 19 um, if you are a, a, an unbeliever here and you're with us, you might not know your Bible. The book of Acts is, is a story of, of the church in its very early years as people just like you and I had received the message of Jesus and without any reference to church or anything, they were working it out as they went forward, which is a beautiful way for a, a real privilege for us that we can look back what church was like in the very, very early months and years of Christianity. And I believe that God's put this in the Bible so that we've got a little bit of a reference point. Because even today you can travel around the world and you find some freaky stuff happening in churches. And um, we want to make sure that if we're going to finish this race well, that we follow what's in this book. 
And so I hope that through this we'll be able to go back. Let's read uh, from verse 19. And just to tell you that um, Christianity prior to this had happened uh, in Jerusalem mainly. That's where it was locked up in, in the city of Jerusalem where the church was brought to birth. Um, but then as the impact in the city grew, there was lots of opposition against what was known as the way. Okay, the followers of Jesus was known as the way. And then persecution, the, the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish uh, religious and political establishment tried to stop what was happening uh, in the church. And lots of persecution broke out. But in verse 19 it says, and I'm reading from the ESV, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen, he was a young leader in the church who stood up against the religious leaders in Jerusalem, um, and they killed him, they stoned him to death, that arose over his death, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, Cyprus island in the Mediterranean. Cyrene was North Africa, so you can see the cross-cultural um, outworking the gospel straight away. So Africans and Mediterraneans. So some of them men from Cyprus and Cyrene who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also preaching the Lord Jesus to the Greeks. And the hand of the Lord was with them. Hallelujah. What a beautiful little line that is. The hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and he saw the grace of God, so he saw the evidence of God's grace among this new people, he was glad and exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. And so Barnabas went to Tarsus, that's further uh, north, um, past, I think it might be in Turkey now, uh, went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Father, we are so grateful for your word we're so thankful for luke lord dr luke who recorded these words who laid them out and kept a history an inspired history of the early church lord we thank you now that we can look back on what happened in antioch over those years and we can marvel lord that uh, people just like us achieved such great things now, Lord, as we unpack these few verses, Holy Spirit, would you speak into our hearts? Would you begin right now, Lord, just unpacking, just that we could lay aside the busyness of the day ahead or the week ahead and just allow you now to come and shape us as a community for all you've got for us in the months and the years ahead. Mm. I bless you. I thank you for your word. Amen. Amen. Two years ago, I was in a very similar position as Heather and I arrived in the UK, where we were really starting to give uh, understanding and give some traction to our worldwide family of about 170 odd churches now. Um, and I was really looking to God, please give me understanding of the times we're living in. And God took me back to Kings and Chronicles, the story of David, and through his life, God showed me the phases or the times of understanding, he gave me understanding of how this family would develop, how we were like David and all his people in Adullam's cave. And if you read that passage, you'll know David started off in a cave with people who were discouraged, in debt, uh, distressed. And that was the starting point. And so often we can feel like that in our lives 
where what we have and what's before us looks like nothing. But David had God's promise yes. of bringing in a kingdom. Yes. And God showed me through that and it gave me such understanding of what's to come. And so we were happy in the cave in the early years. And then we went on until now, like David, we've started to take the cities. And even Trinity is an outworking of that word that God gave me two, three years ago. And now here we are again, and I want to share with you what's on my heart. I want to give you understanding of where we are. So 12 statements from this passage that I believe will align us with God's purposes. So stay with me as we go. Number one, significant city. Antioch, okay? Significant city. The first thing we see is that these people that scattered landed up in a city called Antioch. At the moment, if you went to Antioch, you'd go to um, some quite incredible ruins, I understand. It's in Syria, so not a place that many are visiting at present. I know Craig has been there, I think, many times. Have you, Craig? Um, But it's not a place that you can go to very easily nowadays because of the wall that's on the go. But in its day, Antioch was the third city after Rome being the first one. I think the the other one was um, North Africa, uh, name escapes me, and then Antioch. Um, And it was a free city because it was so important The emperor in Rome, Caesar, had given them a free status. In other words, you're of such importance that you can manage your own affairs. That was the city that these believers find them in. They were self-governing. And if you read the history of, of Antioch, which I did in preparation for this word, I wish I had more time, but it's beautiful to read that they, they paved the streets. They had walkways next to the the tracks where carts would go and that. And the main streets had colonnades all the way down. So this was a modern, the place you wanted to be. If you liked um, uh, a buzzy city, this is where you wanted to live. Antioch counted. And it seems in Scripture so often that God raises up people to put them in cities like this, even in the earliest of days, in places that really shape culture and shape the future. For us here in London, Trinity Church London, London counts in the world. Even over our tumultuous week of, I don't know what to call it, I'm not sure Brexit's the right word anymore. Botch it? Um, I don't know what it is. Sorry, I, that's going online. Um, but anyway, it's, it's a mess. But even the world is watching. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Because we, we're an important city. Yeah. There are other cities around the world that have incredible things happening at the moment. But because they have so no influence at all, you don't read about them. You don't hear a thing that's going on. But London, you hear. The Financial Times wrote this. It says more than any other European city, London life is seamlessly woven into the global economy, into the global population and its movements, and into global culture. London's centrality to British economic performance and its role as, a, as the nation's chief gateway, Martin, the word you had in the prayer meeting this morning, excellent, Um, for trade and investment will not change in the foreseeable future. So that's the prediction of the economist saying that this city of London is going to continue to shape economics, social growth, all these things. And guess what? God's put us here. here. He's put us here. He's put me here. He's put Heather and I here. He's put you here. He's put us in for such a time as this. So the first thing we see that in the same way in this early, in these early years of Christianity, he takes a group of people, and as we'll see, an unnamed group of people in a moment, and he puts them in the city because he wants his kingdom to shape the world. Number two, the second thing, and these are not in order of importance, I'm just going chronologically in scripture. Number two, it was born out of sacrifice. This church in Antioch was born out of sacrifice. 
For many years, the Jerusalem-based um, believers, um, which were called the Way, had faced ongoing persecution. It had been there. So if you know your Bible, and if you don't ever read the Bible, maybe it's new to you, why don't you read the story of the early church? It's wonderful. One of the things you see almost immediately, Peter and John, remember, they, they go into the temple, which was their daily activity, and there's a guy there, he hasn't walked for 38 years, and he says, please, I've got nothing, and they grab him by the hand and say, we don't have coins to give you, but in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. It turns the city upside down, because everybody knew him. Suddenly he's there and he's, he's cool, he's got his legs on and he's going for it and it changed the city. What do they do? They grab the leaders. Peter and John, they hold him. What is this you've done? You're turning our city upside down. Yeah. It started with that and then it continued and we read in, in Acts chapter 11 how Barnabas goes to fetch Saul. But in the time of the early church, he was the worst of the whole lot. He was the one stirring up the religious elements before his salvation, before he met with Jesus. And he was arresting people, breaking up families, destroying businesses. Anybody who followed the way, he had the right to destroy them. It was a frightening time for them. It all came to the head, as we uh, mentioned earlier, when a faith-filled, fearless young leader by the name of Stephen rises up. And he brings this incredible word and insight against the religious leaders. And their response is to throw him outside the city. And right there and then they kill him in a dust bowl outside the city. And after that it says that in Acts chapter 8. And there arose a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. Saul was ravaging the church. What a word. Yeah ravaging the church and entering house after house just imagine you in your home you know you're following you your heart's being changed you having dinner and suddenly the door bang and in comes this man with these robes and these soldiers and they grab children mothers fathers and a household is destroyed like that and he dragged them off it says and women men and women and committed them to prison imprisonment Businesses destroyed livelihoods. It resulted in a scattering. Acts 11 tells us that it was like these people who had... It was like that for these people who had birthed the early church. We here, praise God, don't know this sort of persecution. I'm sure there'll be some in the room who have stories to tell of things that happened previous life where you faced it's lovely to have Chris with us now we were chatting last week he's got an incredible Christian heritage for those of you who won't know but his grandfather Jeffrey is that right Bill spent years in prison for the gospel years in prison in China beautiful book had a big impact on my family on my parents in the years gone by we don't know that sort of persecution however I want to highlight this morning that we too have been born out of sacrifice. If we go around the room, everyone has left friends. Some of you have left family. Some of you have left relationships. Some of you have left convenience. Yeah. <laughs> I saw your family jumping on the train, same train as us this morning, and our little ones getting them off to church and think. It used to be just in the car and park outside and easy life. Now suddenly you need this whole organization to get to London. It's sacrifice for us. But here we see a church born out of sacrifice. And we too. And I just want to recognize that this morning. I want you to know that even as we push forward, don't feel that, oh, it's just get, you know, stiff upper lip and let's get on with it. No, not at all. We've been born out of a sacrifice. We've left churches. Heather and I have moved nations three times now. And every time we know the pain of saying goodbye. Yes. And leaving behind friends. And we've shared lives together. We've seen breakthrough. We've brought people to life. And we've buried some. We've got a whole history. And then suddenly it's time for the gospel to say, it's time for us to move on. Yes. Born out of sacrifice. However, 
May I remind you from Matthew 19, with Jesus knowing what the disciples would face in the years to come, he said to them, I want you to understand, and listen to these words, receive them for yourself this morning. Everyone, can you say that after me? Everyone, Everyone. who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or lands, for my sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Ooh. Ooh, that's quite interesting. So as we leave, as we feel the cost of leaving behind other communities, maybe you're new among us and you haven't as yet, you will one day, as you leave them behind, you know you're stepping into this place where Jesus is saying, for what you've done is a hundredfold before you. Yes, thank you, Lord. When I come in a moment, which I'm going to do to talk about the people involved, I want you to remember that. Because that, for me, speaks about, okay, Lord, I'm in London, I want my hundredfold. Yes, Lord. You're allowed to get excited. Thanks. <laughs> Daniel is helping me in the front row here. Who wants a hundredfold? Yes. I hope that doesn't mean persecution. But anyway, let me move on. Okay, but there's, there's something waiting for us in London. If each one of us can birth a hundredfold, I don't know how many in this room, 40 yards, whatever we've got sitting here now, but each one of us can birth a hundredfold. Whatever that is, in different ways. Wow. Number three. They were ordinary people. So often when we think of gospel advance, we think of the superheroes of the faith. These were ordinary people. This was the first real gospel advance. So Jerusalem was all locked up. They were meeting in Solomon's colonnade in the temple, outside the temple, every day praying. They were a big community. Suddenly, bam, there is persecution. And they scattered. And um, suddenly, due to that, ordinary people have to find a new way forward. There has to be a message in this for the church today. That in his wisdom, God didn't name who these people were. There has to be a message in that. You would have thought, right, the church in Jerusalem's grown to thousands and thousands. They're gathering, having great impact. You would think if it was man's wisdom, we would go there and say, okay, who is our Charles Spurgeon here? Or who is this one or that one? Who is our... Uh, Mother Teresa, who can we choose to begin the advance for us? Yeah. Not God. Yeah. It takes ordinary people. Yeah. People just like you, me. Yeah. Here we are. Isn't that great? Yeah. So freeing that God just yeah. uses us as we are. Selwyn Hughes, the, the great um, theologian and pastor and teacher here in the UK who died a number of years ago now before he died he wrote this he said the future of the church belongs to the ordinary people that was his prophecy about the future it wasn't about big ministries I don't know about you but I've got to a point where I want church to be real where I want to see ordinary people living out their lives yeah. touching the world I'm tired of the big shows and this ministry and that ministry and this one and that. I just think, oh no, that's what the world looks like. What God's looking for is the ordinary people empowered to do what he wants done. Trinity Church, this is my greatest longing. And Daniel will tell you that because I keep banging that drum all the time. Come on, everybody mobilized. Every single one mobilized. Not to do what Daniel does. Not to do what I'm doing. Not to do what this one's doing. To do what God's called you to do. Yes. One of the f- most freeing things I ever heard in my life was a teaching 
about evangelism and how God uses us whether we are an extrovert or an introvert. So I'm actually an extroverted introvert. <laughs> Confused. <laughs> hey? Confused. Confused. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it just doesn't come easy. But I listened to this teaching and then the guy said, there's some of you that God has gifted to tell stories. And I went, oh, I like telling stories. And suddenly, my life started to change. I can remember, I, I enjoy sport very much, and I started playing golf. And I'd go to the golf club, which is quite an interesting place at times, and um, I would sit there with all these people, and they said, so Steve, they used to call me the priest at one time, um, tell us, what do you do? And suddenly I've got this captive audience, and I would prepare myself, give me one story, Lord, to tell them, and I would tell them a story, sit there and silence and slowly one by one I drew a few of them into our work just be who you are ordinary people where we can come together and every Sunday is filled with just stories of you being who God's called you to be yes. isn't that the way we want to be yes, Lord. if each one of us reaches one person and brings a friend Trinity is well over 100 people already yes. in our fifth month. Can you do that? Yes. One friend, one person. Yes. Even if you walk through the thing and you grab someone, you go to church with me. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do that. But just reaching out, just being aware and saying, Lord, I want my one. Yes. We can grow this church 100% next week. And then we teach them to do it, so the gospel goes. Every These were ordinary men and women. I praise God that he kept Luke from going, no, we, we want some heroes. I've got to find out who these men from Cyprus and Cyrene were. We don't find out. Because they were like you and I. That's what God's looking for. Isn't that lovely? Mm. Can I have a big amen? Amen. Number four. Daniel, what time do I need to finish? Sorry, I... Um, uh, 25 past. Okay, I'll make it. Number four. Oh, I love this one. It says in um, verse 21, and the hand of the Lord was with them. That's the, the fourth one. The hand of the Lord was with them. Wow. I don't know about you, but that's the type of church I want to belong to. Where we see God's hand at work. Not a program. We say, this is what we're going to do now, and then this is going to happen. I go to so many churches, and some of them are doing so fantastically, but it's just very predictable. And you think, oh, no, there's more. Yeah. We, we worship a God who spoke into nothing and created the heavens, all those planets and that. Can't we just get a little taste of that on a Sunday morning as we gather for an hour and a half? Yes. We come together and we feel, oh, the Lord's hand is in here. Yes. He's working. The person who comes, as we heard this morning, thank you for that song, you know, son of sorrow or man of sorrow. And you think, but God comes and yeah. we can testify while I was worshiping this morning. Boom, yes. God did it. Thank you. God did it. When this church met there were signs and wonders. What are signs and wonders? Most people think healing and that thing. Yes, they are. But it's just a, it's a sign that just points to God. Yeah. Or something happens that makes people wonder, what happened there? This is not normal. That's all it is. So you're going along the road, Heather and I went for a lovely drive into the Kentish countryside yesterday, and all your lovely little street signs, and you go down and it says, Chips did that way, that's where we went. And we're going down. And that's what it is. It just points to God. Jackie, who's really struggling with terrible nothing. We pray with faith. Come on, Lord. Even if we could do that before you go home today, John. We pray for her. And we hear she's healed. It's a sign. Okay, we press into it. Paul said to the church in Corinth, when I came to you, I didn't come with just teachings came with a demonstration that's what the world wants to see 
They want to see Christians who speak it and Christians who operate in the power of it. That's the gospel. The gospel's not words. It's both. On uh, Wednesday, we had our day of prayer and fasting. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. And I want to be honest with you, Heather and I had an awful day. We had a tough day. We've been dealing with some things in our family. I think some of you might have heard our eldest son and daughter-in-law weren't allowed back into the United States. I can think, what's going on here? Our younger son, we just issues, things about the future. So many decisions and we had an awful day. And we were trying to get ourselves together and then we realized that we were going to life group in the evening and we're thinking, oh my goodness, this is a big ask. Praise God, we broke the fast there and we arrived and there was this feast. Thank you so much, Mike. That's an advert for our life group, by the way. (laughs) But we sat down at the table and, okay, you know, it's lovely to be with everyone. But inside, feeling, life is tough. And then, praise God for Mike, he said, you know, Stephen Heather, we've committed ourselves to owning them. Stephen, Heather, will you come out your chair, stand in the lounge, we want to pray over you. And I thought, okay, not exactly what I wanted tonight, I just wanted some food, and then to get to bed and leave this day behind. And they gathered around us, and the words started to come encouragement. And then Claire, who's sitting at the back of them, brought this word, which described our day, it described our year, it's described the season. I don't know if Heather sent you the photograph, Claire, did she? She had this picture of us walking up a high sand dune, which I've actually got a picture of us doing that. And as we're going, it's like the sand just slips under our feet. And that's what we've been experiencing. That's what we were talking about during the day. It was just a, a tough time. And you're standing there and you've got very little expectation and you think, oh, and then the bubble bath of God starts to rise. And suddenly you caught up. And it brought such healing. The next morning when we prayed together, Heather said to God, thank you for the dramatic word last night. Yeah, thank Changed you, us. Okay. Thank you. We want to see God's hand. We want to see him. The unforced rhythms of God's grace. What a great word. Thank you, Craig. Yeah. Unforced. What that does to your unforced rhythms of God's grace. So I don't have to push my way in. I don't have to beat the door down. I don't even have to. As I reach out for the handle of God's grace, it goes down and the door opens. And I realize, oh, it's, it's gone. I can, I can just enter. The favor, for those of you I remember joining a church where they talked about God's grace all the time, I didn't have an, a clue what they were talking about. I thought of those guys with big hats, you know, his grace and your grace and big outfits. And then I'm thinking, what's this mean? But all it is is God's undeserved favor. His favor. And I think God's just saying, come in, come into my favor. Unforced, beautiful. God's bubble bath, I won't forget that. How did it go in London today? Well, we had this outstanding time in the bubble bath. Okay, number five. Let me move on a bit. Number five. If you read this, you will see they produced fruit. They were fruitful. Number five. They were fruitful. Even in the midst of devastating circumstances of having to flee, leave family, leave everything. They arrive in the city and fruitfulness just starts to burst out of them. And that's the believer. It doesn't matter. Sorry, it does matter. But it doesn't lock us up what we are going through. Mm. Mm. Alright? Life is tough. Jesus warned the disciples. In this life, you will have many troubles. That's his warning to us. Many troubles. But we don't give in to them and live in them and wallow in them. We live our life in fruitfulness. And so these men from Cyrene and Cyprus and these people arrive there. And the next thing we see, it just bursts to life. Fruitfulness is a way of life. Yeah. It's like the, when Jesus finds that fig tree. And when I was in Jerusalem, I saw a few of them just out the city. Not the one that Jesus cursed because they're no longer there. But um, 
you know, you go past the fruit tree and you think, you know, he comes to this fruit tree and you're a, you're a fig tree, is it, was it? Where's the fruit? If you're a fig tree, you're supposed to have figs. If you're a believer, you should have signs of God's love and grace and power. And, yeah. and then Jesus says to the tree, you're not worth anything. The next day the disciples go past and the tree is on its way down. It comes firewood. We are created for fruitfulness. Jesus said to his disciples, John 16, I think it is, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And here in Trinity, he's chosen you. He's gone across London and the boroughs of London and wider and he said, I want you. He even went to Dubai. Got you guys for a purpose. And so he goes and he grabs people and he brings them in. He says, I chose you. Why? To bear fruit. Yes. And so they were fruitful. And so brothers and sisters, as we come here, would you open your heart as you come to Trinity, as you get involved, Lord, bring forth fruitfulness. Yes, Lord. I was created for that. It's a natural part of me. I don't have to strive for it. I don't have to beat on doors. I just have to be. Be who I am in Christ Jesus. Number six, moving on. They were naturally cross cultural for me this is one of the most beautiful parts of this passage of scripture I came from a nation that had politicized and organized discrimination as you know South Africa I grew up where people were divided we were taught to divide we were taught to put people in groups we were taught to treat people in different ways according to where they come from it was organized so to read this, to see these people of God who had grown up in such a restricted way and then the grace of God comes and so when they land up in Antioch they are free of all of this. And they're just naturally cross-cultural. I, I love, I only saw it this morning. But it says, verse 20, but there were some from Cyprus, that's Mediterranean, and most probably Greek speakers, and Cyrene, North Africa, okay, who on coming to Antioch began to speak to the Hellenists. That's incredible. So they join up straight away. Come with me. Let's, let's show them how different we are. They celebrated diversity. They, did, they celebrated. They were ordinary, but yet they came from different cultures. They started... Oops started right here um, you know they, they, they started as a diverse group they just loved being with different people the deeper we can see a cultural mix grow the greater will be our experience of God Amen. the deeper the mix the greater the experience of God because you see we need each other to grow in our faith because often when you grow up in a culture you are blind to who you are when you put yourself next to another culture and suddenly you think oh my goodness they've got such strengths in this area i remember going i spoke at an all south african leaders conference i couldn't believe how brash and how in your face South Africans are. And suddenly I thought, am I like that? <laughs> and I spoke to another leader about it and he said, oh no, it's interesting. You, you, you are, we can see you South African, the way you behave. But you've been softened by the British culture. <laughs> okay. Very good indeed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We have such a great opportunity in London. It's one of the most diverse cities of the world. Let's celebrate who we are. Amen. One of the saddest things, you're going to have to listen to my heart now, for me coming to England is I meet people and I can see they weren't born and bred in England. I can see they come from the east or the west or the south or Africa or wherever. And I say, 
where are you from? And they come back and I'm British. And I think, um, yes. Um, and then I try and work out, God didn't bring us here to be British. He wants us to be this mixture of people, to put him on display. We honor the culture, we love it, but we must celebrate that we are a diverse people and love it. Amen. Thank you. Don't lose your identity. Don't lose it. Be who you are. Okay. Amen. Because, uh, let me not go there, I'll get myself into trouble. <laughs> but let's, when somebody comes in that door in the foyer who's from another nation, where they're from, let's celebrate it. How many nations we got here? Okay, we've got South Africans, I know that. Who else we got? India. India. Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. Czech Republic. Czech Republic. Scotland. Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> Jamaica. England. Coventry. Coventry. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Coventry, yeah. Um, what did you say? Ireland? Nine. Any others? Anybody? Ghana. Ghana, 10. <sighs> Keep going. Chile. Who's from Chile? Sophia. Woo! <laughs> okay, 11. Iran. Iran. Iran, 12. Philippines. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Anybody else hiding? <laughs> Even if you're from Coventry, I don't mind. <laughs> Let's celebrate us. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Thirteen. Yes. Give us for Lord. Give us forty nations. Yes. Give us forty. Give us more, Lord. Give us more and more. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Moving on. Number seven. The work had apostolic importance. The word apostolic, sent ones. It means to send, and so. We read right away that as soon as these men from Cyrene, Cyprus started to have amazing impact across Antioch, word gets back to Jerusalem and the apostles, the sent ones that Jesus had raised up in order to send to the ends of the earth, they hear that the gospel is having major impact further north. And so they, they send Barnabas straight away. They choose one of their faithful brothers. And guess what? They discovered something new. It wasn't dependent on them. It was the grace of God, the hand of the Lord at work. But it was of such importance, they wanted to build well that they sent Barnabas. And if you were listening carefully, it says, When he arrived, he was glad. Why? Because he saw they weren't striving. They weren't getting religious. They weren't doing all these things. Living out the grace of God. Their their salvation was in that beautiful place where it's immersed in the bubble bath of God. And as soon as they hear about it, they just rejoice. And I mean, Barnabas is overcome by it. He ends up staying there. He never goes back to Jerusalem from what we know in Scripture. For us, right from the start of this church, Trinity, we've had apostolic importance. In our movement, regions beyond, right from the time that Daniel first voiced God's put land in my heart, we owned it and said we with you. At our conference up in Norfolk, I think it was, you'll remember we got people to give. And it was just amazing. And so we've been able to build this church because a movement is behind us saying, go for it, go for it, go for it. That should get you out of bed in the morning. Thank you, Lord. Because we've got importance. It's, it's important that this church gets established. Also, Heather and I being based here. Number eight. They were team orientated. You'll see straight away, this didn't become, when Barnabas arrived, I'm from Jerusalem. Apostle Barnabas, sent by James and the guys. You know, just realize I'm someone important. You need to step down now. This is becoming 
Barnabas Ministries International Incorporated. <laughs> My private jet fund is over there. <laughs> he didn't do that at all. He encouraged them. Yeah. He fueled them. He got behind them. And how we need to be like that. And they became a team of people working it out together. And then no sooner is he seeing the potential and the growth in this church that he goes and looks for Saul of Tarsus. Because he had met him before. He knew this man's understanding. He knew that this man was wrestling with truth. And he thought, we need that gift yeah. in this community. Yeah. Yeah. I'll step yeah. back and you receive Paul of Tarsus. Wow! Yeah. That'll change the world. Okay. Thank you, Daniel, for being so team-orientated. Let's give him a big round of applause. I'm supposed to um, be preaching on Ephesians today. And I said, Daniel, I'm carrying something God showed me. Can I change? Go for it. Thank you. That's an advert for next week as well, by the way. But anyway, I'll come to that after. Number nine. They became a teaching center. So Paul, uh, Paul arrives with Saul in those days. Barnabas goes and fetches them. And then you'll see uh, in verse 26, the second half, it says, For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. There was an emphasis on the Word of God. There was instruction. They were taking the Word of God and putting it in the people. We have the privilege of having that here in Trinity. In our midst here, there are some brilliant Bible teachers. We haven't heard them all. Or maybe I've missed some of them. But they're brilliant Bible teachers. It's been a privilege as well in Trinity to follow Daniel. In our movement, one of our great teachers of the Bible. Thank you. It's a privilege. It's easy for us to become just familiar and not realize that we have the privilege of receiving solid instruction. Don't miss out on that. Number 10. Oh, almost there. Eh? I'm getting there. They shaped our faith. The church in Antioch shaped our faith. As we have read, it was here right at the end of, of verse 26. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. It's very interesting to unpack that and start to think, why, why was that? Why, why did that happen? What was happening on the ground in the city that the city started to try and find a name for these people. I'll tell you what I think. I'm a great F.F. Bruce fan, great Bible historian. I love his stuff. And um, I really think that he's got it right. Antioch, like many Roman cities, were built on a grid system. And in order to rule as the Romans did with a real iron fist. So we want everybody to be happy and to be prosperous as long as you do what we say. That was something, you know, and if you don't, bang. So what they did is they separated the community. So if they were ruling over us here in Trinity, there would be 13 communities. Okay, Ghanaians, that's your spot. Okay, you next to Iran. Okay, and then we've got the Brits here, we've got the Safas there, we've got a Zimbabwean family there. They broke the communities up into the Hebrews, the Greeks, the city would be divided. So that there would be peace. Sounds like my nation. That's what they did. And so people lived out their life in the city, in their community. They went to the market, which was a gathering place of all the communities. They traded. But real life happened in your quarter, the Hebrew quarter, Greek quarter, wherever. Until men from Cyrene, Cyprus arrive, and their message starts to cross these boundaries. Word starts to break out. Yeah. And the people of the city. So you can imagine, you're a, a Greek, 
and you've got a family next door to you that have arrived, they've moved in, they, they're under some pressure in Jerusalem that we don't understand by what they believe, but anyway, we're not going to worry about that. But we notice that every Wednesday evening, they have a life group there. And they're Jews going in, because we can see they're Jews, by the way they're dressed, and the men and the women. But... Lo and behold, the next week there are, there's an African family. And so they're thinking, who are these people? So they start to ask questions, what's happening? And word starts to spread. They see them at the marketplace. And it's not the Jews walking around everyone as they used to. Suddenly they sing each other. Sorry, Daniel, you and my example in most things. How are you doing? It's good to be with you. And it's Jew and Greek, and the city's watching the same. What's happening with these guys? They're so touchy feely. <laughs> they catch the they catch the city's attention. It's not a polite handshake. They're in each other's life, but the Jews don't do that. Aren't we supposed to look down on the Africans as, as Greeks? Why are they so friendly? In fact, the African family, the Greeks, are traveling across town to go and eat with them, eating their food. And so they have to come up with, who are these people? They find one common factor. And his name is? Christ Jesus. Jesus. Christ Jesus. Let's call them Christians. Oh, you belong to that Christian group. That's us. Gee, you're a funny mix. In my, our nation, Heather and I, in South Africa, there's a language, Afrikaans. Anybody speak Afrikaans here? Well, Alexi, you will. Hey, welcome. Nice to have Alexi with us. He came last week for the first time. Afrikaans is a derivative from the Dutch language. And they have this word, and... Uh, the Afrikaans is a descriptive language, so everything you say describes something. And there's this word that would describe us. It would, and you've got to learn this today, because I'm going to ask you next week, okay? <laughs> Mengelmus. 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 Okay. So when you see someone saying, welcome to my Mengelmus, and it means to take a whole lot of different parts, as if you were making a meal and you mix them it's like a curry and you mix all these parts together until it becomes one dish it's a mixture it's a mengel you've mixed it up you've you can't separate them mengel is beautiful word will you remember that mm. i'm going to quiz you andrew okay but brothers and sisters they shaped our faith. We are named because of this group of unnamed people with the hand of God in their life. All these things, they shaped it. You know what God said over Trinity? You will become a model that people will follow all over the world. That's you and I. That's God speaking over us. Okay. So there's the similarity. I believe we'll become a shaping community. Number 11, second last one. They had citywide and nations impact. I hope I'm describing Trinity in your mind as we go. Citywide and nations impact. They, we heard they crossed the different quarters. There was no part of Antioch that they, they seemed not to get into and touch and bless but also as we read on in a chapter and a bit later we read that eventually they send out the first apostolic leaders into the nations and they're living with what's happening in their city but they're living with what's happening wider that's the christian faith that's how we need to be. We need to live. Our local church, we're rooted in there. That's where we, we eat and we drink and we bubble bath together. We, oh, sorry, this going on time. For those listening, please forgive me. Um, but it all happens there. But in our hearts, we're living out this great big vision that the rule and reign of Jesus will go to the ends of the earth. Yes. What a privilege. What a privilege. 
Number 12, and lastly, I could give a few more, but I settled here. They resourced the nations. They resourced, they became a resource center. And thank you so much for our offering this year. But not only did Antioch give resources in the form of getting guys going into the nations and ministry going, they gave people. Last week we had Donna here. And this year we're going to be sending Donna time and time again into Burundi. Yeah. Which means that we don't just say, bye-bye Donna, and I wonder when she's coming back. No, 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 no. We live with it. We report on what's happening. We pray for her. This week, as I said, 133 people booked into Wrexham. Please pray for me. Yes. Please pray for me. Yeah. Revival in England. We're living with that in our hearts. I'm thinking, okay, I've got two days with all these leaders. God, what do you want to do? Yeah. Pray for me. Okay, own it. Love London, we bless London, and we live with a wider thing, and then we resource it with people. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Let me finish off. Imagine you've got a pen in your hand. Let me see your pen. Hold it up. Chris, that's a bit of a wimpy pen you've got. Can you get something other than that one, please? <laughs> okay. I'm going to read out... Oh, this iPad. I'm going to read out these statements... If you think it's Trinity, I want to see a big tick. Come on, humor me, okay? <laughs> Some of you look like you had lemon for breakfast. <laughs> okay. So, significant city. Trinity? Yes. Tick. Yes. Okay? If you don't believe it, then put a cross. Okay? Significant city. Born out of sacrifice. Tick. tick. Yes. Yeah. We left some dear friends in Beulah. Okay? Tick. Three, ordinary people. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Joseph, I know you've got this importance about you. Yeah? I saw that cross. Yeah? Number four, God's hand with them. Amen. Come on, Lord. Yes, Lord. Tick. Okay. They produce f fruit. Tick. Help us, Lord. Heather Pheasant, could you play along, please? <laughs> Oh, you're ticking down there. Okay. <laughs> Number six, naturally cross-cultural. Oh, yes. Okay. If you go to Ghana, you'll eat red, red. Is that right? Okay. You <laughs> You've been anglicized. Oh, dear. If you go to Philippines, you eat balut. Okay. Jordi. Oh, Andrew. Okay. Let me move on. Okay. Number seven. They had apostolic importance. You can tick that one. They were team orientated. Tick. Yes. We've got a lovely team. They became a teaching center. Hallelujah. Tick. They shaped our faith. Please, Lord. Yeah, please, tick. Lord. Please, Lord. Let us be who you want us to be. Number 11. Citywide and nations impact. Mm, yes, tick. Lord, Lord. They resourced the nations. Yeah. Thank you, Thank Lord you. Jesus. When I read this and I spent time on last Monday morning just going through it and thinking, wow, well, Lord, can we be who you've called us to be? Yeah. Yeah. Can we at the end of our days, as Trinity grows, that people will read our story and say, wow, you know what? We want to build churches like these people in Victoria or wherever God's got them. Our response, I'll give you what I wrote down. If you want to write them down, you can very quickly. I won't go into them. Realize you're part of something very special. I've done this for 23, 24 years now. I'm very grateful to God for experiences in Africa, Middle East, and now here in London. This for me feels as exciting as when we broke through in Africa. Saw hundreds baptized week after week in rivers. It was just a wonderful time. Then in the Middle East, God just grew that church, and it was incredible to watch and feel. Wow! I feel the same here in London. Realize you're part of something special. Secondly, be trained, be taught, be equipped, and empowered. Don't be lazy on that one. Get it into you. Get the Word of God into you. Number three, play your part. Start to exercise some of your God muscles. Yeah. 
What's in your heart? What has God made you? Healer? Comforter? Preacher? Evangelist? Server? Everyone as important. Because then the whole body grows up. Yeah, thank okay? you. Use your God muscles. God gifts. Number four. Know that you will only have the apostolic for a season. There's a warning for you. Okay. Because if we're going to remain an apostolic people, we've got to keep releasing, keep sending out. Can't now just become here. Yeah. So, likes of myself, Donna, others that are working in the nations, you will release us one day. Okay? And what God does, He brings out from within. Next one. Be ordinary, Joseph, but effective. You wanted to record this. I'm putting your name on it. <laughs> okay. Be ordinary. Let's just stay natural. Yeah. But let's be effective, fruitful. Is that okay? Yes. And then very lastly, oh no, two more. Live with a promise. God's promised us things here. Let's live with it. And very lastly, come live expecting miracles. Live expecting miracles.